Well, good morning. My name is Brian, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, I've been here a little over two years now. And it's always, I'm, I'm, I appear really outgoing when I preach, but I'm really not. <laughs> and so, if you, if I have not met you, and you're like, well, hasn't he come and like shaking my hand? Well, that's just, I mean, I just, it, we are who we are, right? Can you give me some grace? I have a lot of people still to meet. I'd love to meet you after this if I haven't met you yet. Um, but you know, uh, it's it's good to be here on a Sunday. When we're all together, all three of our services, right? I mean, some of you are like, man, I didn't get my seat, so I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if it's good to be here, Brian. You know, I I even got here a little early and, you know, those little ruffians took my spot and I don't know what happened. Well, that's all right, because it's good to be together in the house of the Lord, right? And when we say amen, we say, yeah, it is. So just say, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. All right. Sometimes when I say amen, I don't even really know what it means. It just means, yeah, it is. Yep. Yep. That's good. Yep. All right. So we're in Matthew chapter four today. And, um, you know, my wife, um, just a brief update for those of you who have been so gracious with us and praying for us. My wife has um, stage three C cancer, breast cancer, and uh, we've been through chemo. And uh, you may off and on have seen a very cute 30-something bald woman around here that might have been my wife. Um, and then uh, she went through, she got a mastectomy, so she went through surgery, and now she's a week into radiation. And uh, we just really appreciate your prayers, and it felt really loved by y'all. And um, just really thankful for this church community. So I want to take this opportunity on behalf of my wife and I, to say thank you. Um, it's really cute right now because she kind of starting to look like a tennis ball. Um, so it's like, you know, there's little fuzzies coming in and stuff. It's, re- it's really great. She's, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm a little nervous. She's not nervous at all because she's tough and she just powers through. She's amazing. Um, but the fuzzies on top aren't coming in as strong as the fuzzies on the side. So I have this like, image in my mind of my wife having a cul-de-sac. Um, I know that's not going to happen, but there's a little side of me that's like, yeah, but what if? That would be crazy. So if that should happen, will you please help me through that? <laughs> but she's a cute little tennis ball right now. It's really great. Um, she was not here. She's in Arizona with my kids visiting family uh, today. And, um, you know, I made it out of the house without my wife, which is kind of a big deal. I was even on time today. I even um, put a tie on today. Um, Pastor Runyon always wears a tie, so I'm filling in for him. So I wear a tie when I fill in for Pastor Runyon. Normally I don't. Y'all who know me know that that's true. Um, and uh, typically when I get dressed, I come out of my room and my wife is in the living room because I leave sooner than she does on Sunday mornings. So I come out and I kind of just stand in front of her. And she typically either gives me one of these. Have a good morning praying for you. Awesome. And I'm on my way. Or she gives one of these. Is that, is that, is that what you're going to wear today? <laughs> like, and it's either surrounding that it's not matching or it's surrounding that it's like 
won the Wrinkle Fest, uh, like, you know, day of 2014 or, you know, so I, I hope I did all right. She wasn't there to judge me on my way out the door and bless me and say, you've done well, young man, you can leave now. Um, but I'm here. Yes, thank you. Hey, yeah. This is very good. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, it is. That's right. That was a good friend of mine just blessing me this morning. All right, Matthew chapter 4. We're going to start in uh, verse 12. And um, we're finishing up the season of Advent, um, the season of Jesus coming into our brokenness, into our world. And uh, we, there are a few just really generous folks of ours who built this wall of hope for us during this season of Advent. And so I wanted to attempt a little bit to talk about hope today. And uh, wow, I told myself it wasn't going to happen today. Um, In the midst of the word today, um, from what I prefaced, when I first got up here with what's going on with my wife, hope is a very tangible thing for me in these days. If you've been in difficult times and moments, there are seasons where hope is so needed that it feels like your next meal. And if you don't get it, You're not sure if you're going to make it through. And so I pray that, and I've been praying, that the Lord's word today for you and for me would be very sustenance, would be like water in a desert to you and to me, would be what we feed on as we move into the new year. Amen? Yeah, it is. All right, verse 12. So this is Jesus, just to catch you up on what's going on here. This is Jesus beginning his ministry. So he, uh, this is post-Christmas story. Uh, he's all grown up now. Way to go, Jesus. He can dress himself. You know, he, gets, he, he doesn't need his mom. Like, okay, you can leave now. He's, he's a grown man now. Um, he's starting his ministry. Uh, he's been... Baptized by John, he's gone through temptation uh, with the devil, and now he's beginning to move about the countryside. And we get, we pick it up in verse 12. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he returned to Galilee. Now, John is John the Baptist. John is John, his cousin. John is now in prison. John's the one who has baptized him. And so Jesus hears this, and he returns. To Galilee. Now, in the original language here, it's more like withdrew. And when when you when the original reader would have read this, this is this is surprising in, in some sense. This is like, well, wait a minute. If Jesus is the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for, that person would never withdraw. Does that make sense? Like that person would be like leading the charge. <sighs> Freedom! Right? That person would never withdrew. And yet we see he withdrews. (laughs) That's not good English, but it's there. (laughs) 
He withdrews here to Galilee. Now, this is even more surprising to the original reader because Galilee is not the place of kings. Galilee is not the place of saviors. Galilee is not the place of messiahs. Galilee is a little bit like those of you who live in Point Loma. Think of East County. Uh, Can I get an amen from the East County folks? I live in East County. uh, Right on the edge of Santee. And Galilee would be considered more like a Santee. It really would be. Galilee, as you read the Gospels, you realize people somehow know intrinsically that Jesus is from Galilee. Well, the reason that they know is because Galileans have a bit of a slang. They have a bit of a drawl. They're kind of in the sticks. They're kind of out there. These Galileans, these Santians, these, and I'm one of you. These folks who are way out in East County, I mean, can anything good come from East County? And can we say, yes, it can? (laughs) That's right. Uh, We're not near the beach, but there's still something good going on over there. We're still trying to find it. (laughs) But we are there. Now, I am from Phoenix, and I resonate. Santee feels like home to me. It feels a lot like Phoenix to me. It just feels like these are my people. This is my place. Um, but this, do you get where I'm going with this? This is Galilee. Now, on top of that, Galilee has been an area for centuries where they are the first ones when, when oppression comes, when foreign armies come, they're typically the first ones to go down. They're the first ones to be conquered. They're also the ones, because they're kind of on the outside of the inner circle of Jerusalem and leadership and all that, they're also the ones where revolts kind of get stirred up now and again. And you know what happens when revolts get stirred up now and again? Those areas experience even more oppression. And we're going to read it here, but this area even has this, this name that kind of goes with it. From Isaiah chapter 9, even as Matthew recalls it in Matthew chapter 4, This area that has the shadow of death lingering over it. This area where the hammer, when the hammer stroke comes down, it comes down the hardest. This area that has been enslaved, that has been manipulated, that has been mistreated... And even in accordance with the leadership of Israel in the Judean Jerusalem area would say that this is an area that's forgotten by God. I mean, these folks aren't really that spiritual. If they were, they'd move closer to the temple, closer to Jerusalem. I mean, these folks don't really get it. I mean, they're trying, but they're kind of just they're kind of just not as religious as the leadership in Jerusalem. They're just kind of. Second rate, second fiddle with the shadow of death lingering always. Are you there with me? And so for the Messiah to withdraw and then to go to Galilee was like, no, he didn't. Yes, he did. 
Why would you would be immediately thinking, why would the Messiah go to place like that? And if you know Jesus very well, he's all about places like that. See, if you get to know Jesus very well, Jesus goes into dark places first, not last. See, if you know Jesus very well, Jesus knows that light shines the brightest in the darkest spaces. See, if you know Jesus very well, he's for the ones who feel forgotten and mistreated and the most lost. See, if you know Jesus very well, and for the original reader, they didn't. But for you and I, we read this and we should say, oh, that makes perfect sense. That's who Jesus is. But does it make sense for you? Does it make sense for your emotional reality? Does it make sense to you that when you are feeling the most forgotten and the most lost, that just maybe Jesus could be most present in that space? Because for many of us good Americans, that doesn't make sense to us either. Because we kind of generally have really good lives. Don't you think? For most of us who showed up today on this blessed morning of the 28th, I think. Is it the 20th? Is it the 20th? As we think about what's going on, for most of us, you know, we have hospitals. We are not conquered by a foreign nation. We're not under somebody's foot. For most of us, so when bad things happen, when circumstances change that are not good and right and beautiful, our immediate response is not, oh, this is where Jesus is going to show up. Our immediate response is, Jesus, where'd you go? Because you see, like this whole culture thing of bigger, better, faster, stronger has bled into our culture of the church. To where we now assume that when life gets really hard when cancer comes, when sickness occurs, when the shadow of death is present, when we feel forgotten and mistreated, we feel like God has left us. But you see, the word today is not that God has left you from those spaces, but that Jesus actually came to enter those very places. This is going to be a weird transition, but here we go. Yeah, some of you aren't used to me, so I'm just I'm giving you fair warning. I uh, I flew in last night. I wasn't feeling good, so I didn't drive from Arizona because I was afraid I wouldn't make it. So I I flew back. Somebody gave me a free ticket. It was awesome. I flew back. I was getting off the plane, and um, you know how you're doing the walk to your uh, baggage, and there was a, a dad in front of me with his three year old son. And uh, this is not, has, doesn't ha- he's, I'm sure he's a great parent. This just happens when you're a parent and you have a three-year-old. Um, the son, I'm walking along and all of a sudden I'm hearing like, I'm just kind of in my own little world as usual. And I'm hearing like some, you know, I'm hearing that. But I'm a dad, so I, you just get used to tuning it out, right? Can I get an amen from the parents? So my kids aren't with me, so I'm like, it's, it's not my problem. Um, 
So I'm walking along, and all of a sudden, there's this dad. It's probably 6'4", this big dad. And I see, it's like, here's his shoulder, and I see this three-year-old all of a sudden. You know? And the tears, and this is like agony. Just utter oppression has been happening to this three-year-old child. Just like, scraping, pushing that. And then, you know, we get to the baggage claim, and all of a sudden, mom catches up, and it goes from, you know, it's like in an instant, right? Now, this, this kind of, these kind of, this shadow, this space, this Galilean space that I'm describing is not, is not the whole kind of thing that we do when we throw a three-year-old fit. That's not what I'm talking about today. And this is for, for another day. Because we do that too, right? We make mountains out of molehills. Because we're so blessed and we're so, we've been given so much in this country. We, we, little things, all of a sudden somebody cuts you off on the road and it's like, it's my road, it's mine, yeah, right? Man, I had the worst day today. I got cut off on the freeway. Really? That was a bad day, really? So, so let's, let's, can we table that together? Can we table that side of this? This is a, a Galilean space. This is a space where it's not about a five-year-old fit. And sometimes I still throw those, if I'm going to be honest. But this is a space where real darkness is present. Where the very shadow of death is looming. That's the kind of space that we're talking about today. And so we keep reading. Yep, all that was one verse. Here we go. Uh, Verse 13. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in, in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun and Naphtali, the way to the sea along the Jordan Galilee of the Gentiles. That, that little phrase, Galilee of Gentiles, we can really get that. You know how America is considered kind of the melting pot of uh, a country that's kind of a melting pot where all races, all countries come together? That's kind of like this statement here. Galilee of the Gentiles, of the nations. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, there it is, a light has dawned. Now, this is a quote that Matthew is taking from Isaiah 9. And so uh, hopefully it will come up on the screen maybe. But I would, I would like you to turn to Isaiah 9 if you have your Bibles. And real brief, briefly, starting in verse 1. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. This is immediately following Assyria, a, a powerhouse nation of this day. Some like 700 B.C. had come in and taken this area of Galilee first and destroyed it and conquered it and enslaved people and done all the things that countries did in this day. Took, took their land, took their rights, did all those things. Those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations. There it is. Galilee of the Gentiles. By the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. 
And then there's a little bit more. And picking up in verse 6. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. We recognize that from a very famous piece of music that was written for during the Christmas time. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Now, uh, scholars would say that this was written for most likely King Hezekiah, who came and turned the Israelite nation back to God because kings had taken it away from God. But Matthew... But Matthew remembers this passage, remembers Jesus going into Galilee, even Galilee, where a Messiah should not be and does not necessarily, like, a Messiah in his right mind shouldn't go to a place like Galilee, the sticks out there, East County, forgotten place, not where all the good stuff happens. It's not downtown. It's outside of town. It's not where you have all of the good things happening and all the decisions are made. It's outside of that. And yet Matthew watches Jesus go to this very place and remembers this prophecy and infuses Jesus into it. Now, I love this because Matthew was doing this because he has witnessed and met and walked with and cried with and laughed with Jesus himself. Matthew's a tax collector, one who was outside, thought to be way outside of who belongs with God. And Jesus came to Matthew and said, no, I call even you, Matthew, invited Matthew to follow. And then Matthew watched the light that is really light walk this earth. And so now he looks back on this passage and says, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that Hezekiah time period was really great. But you know what the real light is? It's Jesus. Do you know where real hope is? It's Jesus. I found it. And he's like, you guys, all you guys who know the Old Testament, you've got to see this. You've got to see this because this is the true light that has come. Jesus himself you got to see it. And so he quotes it. Land of Zebulun and Naphtali. The way to the sea along the Jordan. Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. And you might say, well... Rome was still over and still oppressing that area. Right. Well, did Jesus go and like just pass out money all day long and, that's, and that was the light? Because that, that would sound more like an American way of bringing light. Is that, is that what, what, what was this light? See, when, when we typically want light and hope that has to do more with economic Growth that has to do more with our circumstances being what they, that has to do more with health, that has to do more with getting bigger, faster, stronger, that has to, that makes more sense to us. But when Jesus moves as the light in those places, completely different things are brought. Have you ever talked to Norma Runyon, our senior pastor's wife? 
If you haven't, I would suggest it when she's feeling good enough to be here. She is in the last stages of her cancer journey right now, her own. And I go and I always try and cheer her up. And she ends up cheering me up. See, there's something about her circumstances haven't changed. And yet there's something about who she is in the light that she carries that overcomes and even overwhelms and even overshadows the shadow of death that she's in. Have you seen it? Because it's Jesus. There's a peace in her. There's a, she, you go to pray for her and she prays for you. There's a life that is really life that's not based on, okay, how many more days am I going to have? But it's how much peace and love in the days that I have left will I walk in and live in. It's how much joy can I bring for the days I have left. See, that's light that is truly light. See, we tend to put our hope in circumstances, in good economies, in not being sick, in not experiencing loss. And and yet there is a greater light than even just good circumstances. Did you know that? Because his name is Jesus. And this Jesus comes and chooses to go to the very places that seem least likely for him to be. The places like Galilee, the sticks, the places where the shadow of death is looming. My place, the place where I reside. Have any one of you felt forgotten by God this year? Because this word today is for you. A light has come. You may have felt forgotten because you've had tough circumstances or you've lost a relationship or I don't know what it is for you or sickness has entered your little world like it's entered mine. And yet a light has come and his name is Jesus. So now death is not the final word on what happens in my little story in yours. A light has come. Now we get to enjoy and participate in a bigger story than my little story, than my little sufferings, than my little, oh, how dare you cut me off on the freeway. Now we get to jump into this story that Jesus invites us to that's bigger and better and broader and that's filled with sacrificial love and peace, even in the midst of unrest. That's filled with stuff like loving your enemy. And forgiveness, that, 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 that the ways that even spouses fight and push each other away might be transformed into the love and breath and life of Jesus himself. That evil does not win out. And that even death has lost its sting. I don't know how many days left I have with my spouse but I know that I will see her again. I have a hope for today. 
Because what the enemy has brought, what this broken world has brought, in sickness and in cancer and in pain and in hardship, Jesus uses those very things to draw us together. This space where you would think that my wife and I would be most stressed and most anxious, and then that anxiousness and and that stress would drive us apart. And the fear that we have for our kids who are not doing well right now because they're scared that mommy might not be here for very long. Those, Those pressures would drive my wife and I apart. But you know what Jesus does instead? He uses those very things to draw us together. We lean, now we lean on each other. We find rest and hope. And when, she, when I'm weak, she's strong. When she's strong, when, when she's weak, I'm strong. And Jesus just, we, we cry together and we, we, we confess together and we live together. And what, what could have driven us apart now has drawn us even closer. That's the kind of light that Jesus brings. Are you with me? So then, then, then it reads in verse 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now this word repent is just simply turn around. And my, my, uh, my six-year-old, she's been doing, we've been doing accents together just for fun. And she, she, the only accent she'll do, this is just really funny to me, is an Arnold Schwarzenegger accent. She, this is just what she does. Because I do it sometimes, so, you know, like Arnold Schwarzenegger would say, turn around. Turn around! Turn around! Let's get to the chopper! You know, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger. So, my six-year-old is like, turn around! You know, like, and she really just yells. It's not, it's like groggily voice and then just yelling. That's, that's her accent. Turn around! And we, we think it's amazing. It's the greatest thing ever. And it's, you know, Jesus didn't say this like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but he did say, turn around. Turn around. And just simply, turn from the stuff that you've put your hope in. Turn from the light that you thought was light, that you put all your safety and all your rest and all your hopes in. Turn from that stuff towards me. Turn around. Yeah, turn around. We're thinking of this new year and we're thinking of things that we should be doing. We haven't done this last year. What if, what if all we did was turn around? Just turn around. I, I love simple words when life gets hard because stuff feels so complicated. I mean, with me and my wife, we have like doctor's visits and insurance and everything is just so complicated. And Jesus comes to us in these shadow of death kinds of places with really simple, simple words, simple invitation. Just turn around. Just turn away from the stuff that you thought brought you life. Stuff that you can't count on. Because we can't count on the economy, can we? We can't count on our health always being good. We can't count on friends always being who they say and promise they're going to be. In some ways, you can't count on me either, but we can count on Christ himself. The one who never changes, who never forsakes us, forsa- never forsakes us, 
We can count on God Himself. Turn from the, the things that crumble, the things that pass away. Turn around to me. And then, and then he says this, and this is the last thing. For the kingdom of heaven is near. Now what's crazy about this is those who were in the know about religious stuff in Jesus' day would say that the kingdom of heaven lives and dies in Jerusalem surrounding the temple. You must be close to it. You must follow all of the rules. You must live close to it. You must come. You must, you must worship in these specific ways. You must do all of these things. And if you don't, you're out. If you're not a Jew, you're out. If you're not a male, you're out. If you're not healthy, you're out. If you were born with some kind of abnormal thing, you're out. That's what religious in-the-know folks would say in Jesus' day. But Jesus comes to the very places who appear to be out to say, to invite the kingdom of God is for you. It's for you. It's for you. Even when the shadow of death is looming, my kingdom, Jesus says, is for you. You know what comes with God's kingdom? His presence. Sometimes the thing that we need the most when the shadow of death is looming is just presence. Those places where we feel most alone, you know, Jesus offers his presence to you in those places. There's not been a single time where I've felt alone in the midst of this journey with cancer, alone from God. Why is that? Because I know who Jesus is. Because I've read this stuff. He draws me close in these spaces, not pushes me away. What if that were true for you? What if the very times that you felt like God had forgotten you and was mistreating you and had misplaced you somehow, somehow you've ended up on an island of misfit toys? Because of what people at work are saying about you, because of what people at school are saying about you, because of what you say about you, because of what family has said about you, because of what you thought God had said about you. I'm here to tell you, in the midst of all that, the light has come and Jesus' invitation to you is given this morning. The kingdom of heaven is for you. Yeah, but I, I got this sin and I got these hangups and I got these addictions. The kingdom of heaven is for you. Yeah, but cancer is, is over the top of me and I don't know which way to turn. The kingdom of heaven is for you. Yeah, but I don't know where my next paycheck is going to come from. And I live way out there and not over there. And the kingdom of heaven is for you. How do I know that? Because just... a one like a few verses later in in Matthew chapter 5 he reinstates it again chapter 5 verse 1 now when Jesus saw the crowds he went up on a mountainside and sat down his disciples came to him and he began to teach them saying blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled What if these blesseds weren't conditions? 
What do you mean by that? Typically, we read the Bible and we say, okay, what do I have to do now? So we read these the same way. Okay, so I have to be poor in spirit. I have to mourn. I have to be meek. And I have to hunger and thirst for righteousness in order to get blessed. What if that's not the correct reading of this text? I mean, it's one reading. But what if it's not the correct one? What if when Jesus stood up to a crowd who had been in all the places that we had just talked about, he was giving a word of hope, a completely radical idea that even in the midst of your mourning, God's presence is available to you. That even in the midst of your hungry and thirsting for righteousness, that you just can't do enough. You just feel like you're never enough and you can never get it right. God's presence is available to you. What if this is not conditional? What if even when you feel poor, Jesus comes and says, I'm here for you. I'm with you. My kingdom is available to you even there. What if that's the word? I think it is. So instead of us trying to get and figure it out, and I have to be meek, and yeah, yeah, ah, ah. That wasn't in my notes. <laughs> what if hope began in just this idea, in this truth, in this reality, that Jesus is for you, not against you? That even in the most dark spaces, Jesus' light has come for you. That even in hospitals, Jesus is present. That even at dead-end jobs, Jesus is present. That even in family structures that are broken, Jesus can be present. That even in the poorest places, Jesus is present and even wants to use me, that's me, me and you, to offer that hope and that presence. That's what the people on the family mission trip are going to do. They're going to attempt to offer the hope that they've been given, the light that they've been given to maybe a family or a couple families who have not seen a whole lot of light lately. That a family would gain a home that they could never have without someone who's seen the light coming and offering a home as a gift. that maybe a light would dawn. I want some dawn, some light to dawn through me this year. For however many days I have left, because there's no guarantee of even one more, I want Christ's light has been given freely to me in my darkest and most quiet spaces to be given to others through me. I don't know where you are today. I will, I will not even attempt to. But if you felt forgotten by God or you felt hopeless in areas of your life or you've been stuck in sin, Jesus' invitation to you is come. If all you can do is cry when you really sit and think about what's going on in your little world, 
Jesus' presence is available to you even there. The light has come. There is hope to be found. Not in different circumstances, because those come and go. But in Jesus himself. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. What if this year that were true for you? In all the little bits and places of your life that felt like Galilee, Jesus showed up in. The light has come. We're going to take communion today, and I'm going to invite those who are helping with communion to come forward. We take communion to remember Christ's sacrifice on the cross for us. That he not only just said, hey, you're invited. But he put his life where his mouth was. And gave all that he had, his very breath, that you and I would be able to dwell in God's kingdom. That you and I would be able to experience peace and hope that we can't muster up in and of ourselves. That there's no place now where God's presence can't go. Because it was even willing to go to a murderous death on a cross. So I'm going to invite you to respond to God's word today with coming and taking communion. Not to do another thing to earn somehow God's love for you, but as a reminder that Jesus is inviting you into his kingdom with all your hang-ups and screw-ups and mess-ups, with all the shadows looming over your life, the light has come and it is inviting you to new life. If you want to turn around from the things that you've put your hope in and turn to Jesus and make Him your hope, I am inviting you to come and to take and eat the free gift of God's sacrifice for you.